morning, everyone. Good to see you. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. This is actually our last lesson in uh, 1 Peter. In fact, I think I'm going to just roll on into 2 Peter. Is that okay with you? <laughs> good morning. Did I say that? Are you awake? You with me? Hello? Good morning. Hello? So roll on. Okay, we're going to go into 2 Peter. My mic, Trent, feels a little hot. Am I loud to you guys or is it just to me? I'm loud. Can you turn me? There you go. Thank you so much. Maybe not quite that much. You're going to just turn you right off. Just get the end of lesson. I'm so glad to see you and, uh, and to be here with you today. So as we've been tracking through 1 Peter, he's been sharing with us a lot about how to live our lives. And, and if, even in the middle of suffering, what is it that we do? And today, we're going to be asking this question, when the people of God suffer, what is the role of the church? Now, that's a really good question. And I love the announcements that Savannah, you know, is bringing. I love the fact that we're going to have this upcoming event, uh, you know, here at the end of the month. Let's give them pumpkin to talk about. You're right? Y'all know that song, right? Or did I not sing it? Who, who sings it? Who sings that song? Bonnie, right? Ooh. Some old rockers in the house. Let's give them pumpkin to talk about. So what is the purpose and the role of the family? Why do we come together? Do you know that in most of the world religions, you can have your own relationship with your master, your God, your creator, and it's okay. Like, you can, you can find your own path to enlightenment. You can climb your own spiritual level of spiritual maturity and find oneness with the universe or with your God, whether it's in, in, in Buddhism or Hinduism or in all of these major world religions. You can pursue your own walk with your God, and that is the nature of what that religion is all about, but not in Christianity. God did not design those of us who are followers of Christ to walk this life alone. That's why we're constantly having this battle of, are you going to close the church down? Are we going to be together? Why are people trying to separate and isolate? And, are we, and so Peter today is going to be letting you know we share in the kingdom of God, the glory of God. We do this as a family and so that's very, very important in how we go about uh, our business and how we lead the family of God, the church of God, those of us who belong uh, in, in, in the way of Christianity. And so today we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at the leadership of the church. We're going to look at those of us who belong to the body. What is our role? And then how are we going to fight against the enemy? How are we going to come together so that we continue to strengthen those who come behind us. Now, how many of you participated yesterday in the day of prayer, this National Day of Prayer, and any, did y'all even know about it? Okay, there are a few who knew about it, and uh, not too many. So yesterday, I was down with our police chief and with our police officers and with the highway patrol uh, down at the, uh, at the station, and, and we prayed over all of our police officers, and we prayed over all of those who, who work in government. The mayor was there, and, and others were there, uh, several pastors and, and different preachers and reverends and ministers. Even the rabbi was there. And we all came together to say, Lord God, we need more of you. And we're asking for your covering over our city. 
our people, our leaders, our uh, law enforcement uh, officers, staff, officials, everybody, and, and just bring us together as one. And at the very end of it, Chief Leiter uh, had a bunch of little index cards, three by five index cards, where he had taken the time to write down the names of every one of his sworn officers, dispatchers, staff, and put them all on a card. And he called everybody in that assembly. He said, I am a man of God. I want to operate my office, my department, my staff. We want to operate under the umbrella of God. And we want to love this community and lead them the way of the principles of Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you to join me. And he said, I have a card here of every one of our sworn officers and dispatchers, and I'm, and I'm going to ask, if you will, take one of these cards, and would you commit to praying for that officer, for that member, every day for a year? And a bunch of the audience took a, a whole bunch of those cards, over 200 of them, I believe. Well, there were about 30 left over, and I brought them with me this morning. And I said, you give them to us. And we will commit to praying for all of your officers every day for a year. It will have an impact on every one of those individuals. Don't you believe? And it will have an impact on our community. And we'll pray that, they will, that God will protect them and that they'll lead them to do their job with, with power and grace. Now, I was, as I was in that assembly and I was thinking about it, this is a lot of our message today. It's when God calls leadership, whether you're an elder in a church or a, or a deacon, uh, a small group leader, uh, whether uh, you have any role, uh, uh, you know, whether you're leading a, one of our dream teams, you know, God calls us to, to do things in a certain way. And he set that out at the beginning of time. And so I just want to clarify this a little bit so that once we start listening to the Scripture and we read a sentence out of what Peter's about to say, we can see how that fits into God's overall plan, right? And so it's like, oh, I understand why he's saying that. So in the beginning of time, God set law of the universe, order to our world, and boundaries in our existence. And so our universe has an order to it. Our solar system has an order to it. And, and there are certain laws that govern it. Gravity is, you know, we, you know what I'm saying? We just have all these laws of nature. And God put all of those in place. And so when you hear law and order, God set law, laws for our universe. He set order for our world and boundaries. He separated the land and the sea, the, the skies, the heavens, and the earth. And it didn't take him long to do it. You read through Genesis and they'll say, boy, in seven days, God set all of that in motion. And then the whole rest of our Bible, God is trying to pour his grace out on man and set us free. Now, that's really the role of a leader. That's really the role of our police officers. That's really the role of our elders to where we say, here is how we're going to do things. This is what God put in place. And how we are to follow him and then how we are to submit. And so he put an order to things. And then the whole rest of our time, we are to pour grace all over each other so that we can be set free to serve the God who created us, right? 
And that's a real balance. If you're a parent, you know it's a balance in when do you draw discipline and when do you offer grace. Amen? Right? If you're a spouse, you know when do I take charge or when do I set boundaries? When do I stay disciplined and hold to things that are true? And when do I set free and let go and offer grace and love and unconditionally and forgiveness, right? And it's a constant battle. In this situation, do I, do I stand firm or do I offer more grace? And You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a tough boundary. It's a tough balance. And so, Judges really offered one of our first clues in the way God designed it. And, and so as he was instructing the people and starting to talk about it, now we're going to bring in some judges who are going to hold to, to what I believe the boundaries are and then set people free. He said, Israel's leaders took charge. The people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. Three-point outline to church. Three-point outline to doing things God's way. He has leadership. He has people who've been, that he's calling to you hold firm to the truths of the Lord. You make sure that people don't depart from it to the left or to the right. You stand against the ways of the devil, of the enemy. You cover and protect people. You lead them in the everlasting way. Our Bible is full of all of these little, of how leaders are to stand firm with God and stand firm in truth and then the people gladly follow. We listen, we respond, we obey, we're obedient, we submit, we humble ourselves before, all that. And then number three, everybody praise the Lord. It all amounts to God. Everything points back to Jesus Christ. And so the whole goal is to set people free to praise the Lord. Now, let's open up the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. Peter says, I too am an elder, a witness in the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, colon, he's about to talk about what, how, how he's going to appeal to them. So now, this word elder, and I just highlighted it three different times. It's, it's an office in the church. It's a position. It's more of a position than it is an office. It carries some weight and some authority. But it also carries some boundaries of how that's to be done, why it's to be done, and the way it's to be done. And so if, you're, if you've been you know, coming to church here for a while or you've been going to church a lot of your life, but you've never really seen biblically the role of elders, and you've always wondered, what is an elder and what does an elder do? Well, here are, is just uh, an outline in Scripture of the role of, that elders have played in the plan of God. So Israel grew as a nation while they were in slavery in Egypt. And they weren't treated very well, but they were God's people, and he wanted to set them free. And as they cried out to God, he called Moses to go down and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Ten plagues, they finally did. They crossed over the Red Sea, and they became the people of God, the nation of Israel. Moses did the best he could to govern and lead them. But they were at least a million, probably up to two million people strong. And so here Moses is trying to lead all of these people. And he wants to send them to the promised land. But they're too afraid to go in. They've been slaves for a long time. And they still have that slavery mentality. They still see themselves as victims. 
And they don't know how to act now that somebody else isn't telling them what to do every minute of every day of their life. So now they're set free for the first time in their life and they're trying to figure out how do we use this freedom to get along with each other. So God starts giving them some laws and some rules and some boundaries and the way we're going to, if I'm going to be your God and if you're going to be my people, here we go. But these people were wearing Moses out, so he got some really good advice from his father-in-law. You need to go and select some elders who are wise, who are older, who've been around a long time, who, who love me and love truth and what is right, and you set them up, and they will help administer justice to all of the issues going on with all of the people. And so he did. And he divided everybody up, and he set elders over them, and then people, if they had a grievance, if they had an issue, if they had a problem, me and my neighbor, we can't get along, instead of taking them to court, they took them to the elders. And you keep following that, they became to play this very prominent role in the kingdom of God. In Deuteronomy, the elders then, as they began to move into Israel, they set up villages and cities and towns, the elders would sit at the city gate, and that's where they would dispense judgment. And so that was their role. And so if anybody had a dispute of any kind or felt like they weren't getting a fair share or there, there wasn't equality, they would go to these elders and they would help settle the matters. When you go into 1 Kings, they became the administrators of national affairs. So as, as King Saul and King David and King Solomon started their rule, they would have these elders set up and it was the elders' role to administer uh, mercy and, and justice, meaning they made sure that everybody was fed and that everything happened equally and that there was justice for all, not just a few or a select or a group or the powerful and all that. And then in Second Kings, the elders advised the kings and so it made its way all the way up to the top so that David had people he went to and Solomon had people he went to. In fact, you remember with Solomon, and, and as he was turning the kingdom over to his sons, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, they would go and they would get advice. What do you think we should do? And so they went to the elders and they said, you need to back off. Your father was very hard on people. They've been paying very heavy taxes and they're tired. They're worn out. And if you'll offer them a little grace, they will give you their hearts and serve you forever. And then he went to his buddies, if y'all remember this story. He goes to all his buddies, hey, guys, what do you think I should do? And they're like, man, your dad was hard on people, but you need to be harder. You're younger, and so that you need to demand your authority. And you need to put your foot down on them and press them, and you can get rich that way, and we'll live happily ever after. And he didn't take the advice of the elders. He took the advice of his buddies, and it split the kingdom. And so... So, but this is how the elders found them. So now, when you get into the New Testament, the elders are, are in the Sanhedrin. They're, in the, they're very prominent in the Sanhedrin and in the Supreme Court, meaning all these major branches of government and how law would be administered, how, what happened to all of the people. But by the time you get into Jesus' day, it's a very political system. There are people who are looking out for themselves, and they're not looking out for the people. And Jesus had a very hard time with them. You remember this? And so, 
in Acts chapter 15, as after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, as Peter, Paul starts planting churches and the apostles are scattered and, they, and now these little groups of Christians are popping up all over the place, they start selecting elders to make church decisions. And what you really see is that one city, just like you had here at the very beginning, would have this group of elders. And all these little groups around would go to that one set of elders for all of their judgment calls. And how do we do this? A lot of their decisions were having to do with how do we hold to the, the principles of Judaism while being set free in Christianity? Are we supposed to still follow the law? Are we supposed to still do Passover? Are we supposed to still do the seven festivals of the year? You know, what is that role? Are we still supposed to worship in the synagogue or in the temple as well as, you know, and so they had a lot of issues, but they started making major decisions. Then at the very end of our Bible, we see in Revelation chapter 5 that when the whole world is at its end and God is rescuing his people, you see God sitting on his throne Jesus Christ, his son, is his right side, and they are surrounded by 24 elders. And so that's when, when we take our last breath and we wake up on the other side and you get to see the glory of the Lord, you will see God and you will see his son and you will see tens of thousands of angels and you'll see the 24 elders and the role that they play in helping God fulfill his mission to all the people of the world. Now, so you see they have these three major roles. Lead people to God, serve people well so they have their needs taken care of, and administer justice. And so when you read in Micah 6, chapter 8, it's not a coincidence that he has shown you, O oh people, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? And here are the big three. Act justly. Make sure that there's justice in our world. If people feel like they're not having justice, and that there's justice for some but not for all, you're supposed to, the church, you're, the elders, you're supposed to act on that behalf. And to love mercy, make sure that everybody has all of their needs met, and to walk humbly with your God. Those are the three that God held true all through our Scripture and all through the world from the time God first set it out. So now let's continue. So he says, okay, elders, I want you to, number one, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Now this is making sure that everybody has their needs met. Do you know what's going on with people? Do you know what their needs are? Do they have the things, the basic things that they need to make it through this life? Do they have shelter? Do they have clothing? Do they have food? You know, are they cared for? Do they feel safe? Right? If they come under your care, do you know them? And are you taking care of them? Have you created a system so that everybody is cared for? Number two. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you'll get out of it, but because you are eager to, are eager to serve God. Watch over it. This is the act justly. Watch over it. Make sure that everybody's getting... This is, you remember one of the stories in the book of Acts where there were some widows who were not getting their needs met? And they said, hey, there's favoritism. The Grecian widows, they don't get the daily 
dispense of food and, and clothing. And all the Jewish women are getting everything that they need in their households need, but not the Grecian widows. And they're like, well, you're right, and something needs to be done. Who's going to administer that? And so the apostle said, look out among you and choose seven men full of the Holy Spirit and settle these matters. Act justly on behalf of the people of God, right? And that's what this is all about. And then number three, in verse three, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Now, this was in direct uh, opposition to how Rome was operating at the time. They had an emperor, and they had Nero, and he was forcing Christians out, and he was taking their life, and you know, but even with leadership, they used their power to force people to do things. And the way of Jesus, the way of God, Peter is saying, that's not how we act at all. Elders in the church, you don't lord it over people. You don't force them. You don't make them. You don't say it's my way or the highway. We're going to do it this way, and if you don't like it, go to another church. That spirit does not exist in the kingdom of God. Right? And so, he said, now, that's, that's the, those three things. Make sure that the people are cared for. Make sure that there's justice in our world. And teach people to walk humbly with God. Don't lord it over them, but you serve them by your own example. You become the greatest servant of all. And he's going to give us a word picture of how we're supposed to do that here in just a minute. But that's how it is with our elders. That's the way that God has designed his system to work. Now, at our church, we, you know, we have uh, three elders and then we have, uh, I don't know, about 18 shepherd teams, husbands and wives. And so it's the role of our elders here to do three things. And that is to provide church direction, church doctrine, and church discipline. Are we following the way of God? If there's a dispute between people, they step in and help settle the suit. And they try to do it both by leading them to do the right thing, by offering a lot of grace and a lot of room. But the goal is restoration. And people want that or they don't want that. And so they want to step in as much as they have to, but not as much as, as, much as they need, but not overbearing Right? And so, and, and it's a balance. And, and so church doctrine, they, there's, uh, there was one time when I presented, this was years ago. In fact, I'd, I'd only been here about two or three years. And I'd started doing a series. I can remember the series. And after the very first series, it was during a political year. And uh, the topic was hot. And so I wanted to do a series where I said, hey, church, can we talk openly about these things? Because if we can't talk about it here, we can't talk about it anywhere. And so I started doing this first message, and, and the message was hot. And um, the elders came to me, and they said, Rick, we understand your heart. We understand what you're wanting to do, but we're ready for you to go ahead and just do the next series. And so, uh, if you were here during that day, we had, uh, we had one sermon in that series, and we jumped to the next series the very next week. I said, okay, but this is why. We want to make sure that we're demonstrating more love for each other than causing tension with each other. We want to make sure that as a church, 
we're talking more about the Spirit of God than whether or not you're Republican or Democrat. We want to make sure that we're not doing anything to cause somebody to stumble or to feel like there's any kind of favoritism. And so, First City decided we're going to take a stand for the things of God. Now, we're in another one of those political climates right now, right? Vote. And you vote your heart, and you vote what's on, what God has put on your heart. We stand, I want to stand to do the things of God. I want to speak as someone who stands for the things of God. I'm going to vote, and I want you to vote. But at the end of the day, I don't put my confidence in my vote or the one I vote for. I put my confidence in Jesus Christ alone. And I'm calling us to stand for him. And if we do that, our world is going to come to a place of peace. If we serve our world the way God called us to serve our world, we're not going to have any issues. And I just want to tell you, I'm glad we have the mayor that we have. I'm glad we have the chief of police that we have. I have an idea of who I'd like to see voted for for sheriff. Because I, 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 both of those men actually are men of God. But, I, but, I, but I'm, that's, why, that's all I want to see. And I'm really glad that your leaders in your city are coming together to pray. And you're in that kind of a city, right? Amen? Okay. So don't lord it over. And as he continues... And when the great shepherd appears, you'll receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. If you, do, if you do the things of God, then he's, he's going to be proud of that. And you'll be lifted up in honor. If you follow the principles of Jesus Christ and you submit to that, he will increase your influence. Whatever your role is. And then he moves to us. And now in the same way. You who are younger, this is not an age thing. He's not saying, okay, all of you that are young people, you're 20s, teenagers, you know, young. He's, this is you who are younger, really in the faith. Those of you who have not been around as long. Those of you who are just coming into it, and you're like, okay, they already have their elders and they're established. They already have their, what they want to accomplish. And those of you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And this is a really unique word, the authority of the elders. Some of this has been inserted with English words, but it's not really the, uh, the meaning of the Greek. This authority of the elders, it is true, we are supposed to submit to our elders. But remember, they're not lording it over you. They're not going to go into a room, make a bunch of decisions, come out and say, Hear ye, hear ye, you who must obey. That's not the way we do things around here. right? We, we, we make decisions together. We talk about them together. We pray over them together. Sometimes we make the wrong decisions, and we ask for your forgiveness because we are not perfect, and hopefully we get it right most of the time. What we really want to get right is that we willingly submit to each other. Your elders, you have three of them, and this is how they operate. If I am not doing my job, if I am not leading you in the everlasting way, I willingly resign. You won't have to force me. You won't have to demand. You don't have to rise up and take a vote. We willingly submit. And if we get it right there, then we can talk through anything. 
I'm the same way. Taryn's the same way. Tyler's the same way. Savannah's the same way. Every one of us believe that we are here to serve. And if we're not serving well, then we'll get out of the way and bring in someone who will. That's, that's our role, to serve you, to serve the kingdom of God, right? And so, all of you, dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I love this. Dress yourself in humility. And so, just humble yourself and walk with God. Just allow, uh, don't have to be in charge. Don't have to be in control. All of us are supposed to humble ourselves and submit to those who are helping to lead us in the way of the Lord. And this dress yourself uh, in, in humility. It has a unique uh, Greek word. Anyone want to take a stab at that? So any of you, is like a, it's like, okay, egobusta. Okay, egobusta, egobusta, which is, this is a new word. Peter took two different Greek words and put them together. This is the only place in your Bible where this word, this dress in a, you know, yourself in humility and, and Peter created this word out of, out of egobust and then, then this busta, really two different, but he brings them together. And so if you have a Greek lexicon and you, and you open it up, it's the only place in the Bible where you're going to find this particular word. And it means to knot or ban uh, two things fastened together and fastened or to gird oneself. And so there's only two different, at that day, uh, pieces of clothing where you would not or fasten it something together. And Peter used, created this word just for this purpose. One of them was the robe that an emperor or someone in charge, a king, would, would wear, this long robe, and it would tie and fasten around his neck and hang over. So as he walked, he walked in this kingly, you know, this emperor robe. That was the first one. The second use of this was of a serving apron where someone would tie an apron around their waist and they would go and serve, usually in the making of food or in the washing of feet. A servant who would bend down and tie their apron and serve. Peter's using this word very intentionally. And what he is trying to say is, you know, dress yourself in this apron of service. Now, what, what do you think Peter is seeing in his eye while he's writing this? Think back with me. Scott? The night before Jesus went and was betrayed, he walks into a room of a, of a bunch of apostles arguing about who is the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the one who always speaks. But he loves me more than he loves you. You're right. I've had more impact. And they're all arguing about which of them is going to sit at the left and the right. They still thought Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom. And Jesus comes into the room, and they're all arguing about how great they are. And what did he do? 
What did Jesus do? He tied an apron around his waist. He got a pan of water and a towel. And he noticed that none of them washed each other's feet before they came into the room. Which was against Jewish law. But they were all too proud. And the king of kings girded himself up as a servant and washed their feet. And Peter had such a hard time with it. When Jesus got to him, what did Peter say? You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said to him, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have anything to do with me. And then Peter goes to the opposite extreme. Well, then give me a bath. Wash my whole body. I want all of you. Peter, you don't need a bath. You just need to know how to dress yourself in humility. You think this is about how great you are. It's not about you. Learn how to be a servant. So here he goes. So, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Look at this. And at the right time, he will lift you up. He'll tie. God himself will tie the robe of authority around your neck in honor and Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. This is one of the major passages where we got our lift ministry from. So for those of you who are new, we have a ministry, and it's called Lift, and it's how we want to go and serve our foster care world. Actually, we're just beginning with foster care. We hope to do this all over in many different ways for hurting children and all over our city in different ways. We want to lift people up, but this is how we approach our job. We believe we're supposed to gird ourselves with aprons and serve people. And that in doing that, God will increase our voice. And we want to lift up the people who feel like they're not worthy of honor. That's what our ministry is all about. That's who we are. And so we dress ourselves humbly so that God can lift people up in honor. Isn't that good? That's our role. That's who God has called us to be. And then, final words, stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He's prowling around trying to destroy you. He's looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family, we're all in this together, of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. This is not just about you. Oh, I can't believe it's so hard. It's so hard. Yes, it's hard, but it's worse. If I can open up your eyes and take you all around the world, there are Christians suffering in unbelievable ways. And in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. We're all in this together. Christianity is meant to be a shared experience. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Peter's like, boy, if we could just learn how to do this lesson today, what an impact we could have in our city. And so, those who are in the role of making decisions, make decisions. Set the way for us. Lead us in the everlasting way. And, and do it 
with the spirit of submission and the spirit of humility and the spirit of servanthood. And then all of us will dress ourselves in humility. All of us will humble ourselves before the living God. And we will gird ourselves with the apron of service. And in due time, in due time, when your time on this earth is over, God will welcome you with a crown of righteousness. Not just for us, but all those who love serving God. Amen? That's how Peter ends this book. And he's calling us to servanthood. And so, I'm going to offer a prayer that's going to lead us into our time of communion. And, and that's, there's out on the porch, there's this little pack for you uh, of, of grape juice and a, a little wafer. I'm sorry, it, it does taste like paper. It, it, it tastes better if you dip it in the juice. It's not about the taste of that wafer and that juice. This is what I want you to know because it's important. What you're doing in that little symbol of two things that are so small, you're going to think it, uh, it's just it's not a big deal. It is a big deal because God is watching. And when you go out and submit yourself to just eat of that wafer and drink of that juice, you are declaring you are making an oath, a personal oath, that you believe in Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, and that you submit to it. And by submitting and taking, eating and drinking, you're declaring, I belong to Jesus. I am His servant, and I will gird, I will, I will clothe myself in servanthood. It's a big, it's a big deal. It's a simple thing, but it's a big deal. And then I'm going to, as, as Tyler does this song after our prayer, I'm going to take these cards for all these officers, these sworn officers and dispatchers, and I'm just going to just scatter them up here on the front. And during the song or as we leave, come up and take one and commit with me to let's praying over all of these men and women who are serving our community. I love you. Have I told you that lately? Let's pray.